hello. Welcome to episode 8 of Mixtape and Identity. I'm your host Shane. My guest this week is Brody Heitman from the band Signs and Symbols. Yes, thank you so much for joining me for the 8th case of Mixtape and Identity. My guest this week is the wonderful Brody Heitman from the band Signs and Symbols. I'm really, really excited about this conversation. I was really excited about the about the playlist to start off with because the, the music taste lines up quite nicely with mine. But there were some really interesting choices in there and probably some ones if you've listened to the playlist already that you might be wondering about. A couple of very interesting, uh, almost history lessons in this conversation as well. And Brody's just a lovely and funny bloke. So um, yeah, I'm really excited for you to hear this one. If you're new to the show, don't forget that you can listen to the playlist in advance of the show. Uh, please go and follow us on the socials. At Mixtaping Identity on Instagram is the best place to follow us so you know what's happening. Uh, I'll be back at the end of the show, but for now, we'll get into this conversation. Episode 8 of Mixtaping Identity with Brody Heitman. How often are you actually listening to music? these days oh every day every day um for most of the day really i i work a an office job that um thankfully has a pretty relaxed environment and part of that being that we're allowed to whack on headphones and, and listen to music or i mean people watch youtube and shit while they work as well um but yeah we're allowed to okay. listen to music so um my day is usually full of it like i usually get up quite early to go to the gym um, listen to music when I get in the car I listen to music at the gym I listen to music when I get to work I'm listening to music on the way home and um, okay. depending on what I'm doing at night I'm listening to music then so quite frequently I'd say okay happy days <laughs> and are you normally listening to albums or playlists or what sort of things are you listening to? Yeah, it depends on the mood it depends on my day I think you know for like the gym for example is usually a playlist sort of thing but if I'm really sitting down and, and listening, listening to music, I'll, I, I like to listen to albums start to finish. Um, right. You know, and that's something I was trying to do more of in the last year or so, just pick a random album and, and let it play. Are you trying to find new stuff or do you go back to stuff you're familiar with? Yeah, it, it's a, it's a mix. I think I'm and more recently, I'm trying to find new stuff. Um, but yeah, it, like I said, it just depends. It depends how I'm feeling, whether you want something familiar or new, you know? Okay. What's the first music that you ever owned or bought? Oh, okay. So <laughs> I think there's a few people out there, myself included, that have a cool answer to this question and then a real yeah. and then the real answer. The real one, yeah. So my cool answer is Demon Days by the Gorillas, but that was actually the second album I ever bought. And the the, okay. the first answer is a lot lamer than that and it was um Young and the Restless by Good Charlotte. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> that, it feels like a lot of people were like connecting with that kind of music at that time. I think so, yeah. I was like 10 when that album came out. I wow. was like, fuck okay. you, mom. Fuck you, dad. I'm listening to real punk now. <laughs> Excellent. Um, and what's the, what's the best live performance you've ever seen? Oh, shit. Um. Wow. Oh, I think the last time I got to see Frightened Rabbit was a big one. 
mm-hmm. I saw them at the at the Metro. No, it wasn't Metro. The uh, somewhere in Sydney, I can't remember. It was just an amazing night. Everyone was in really high spirits, and and the band were really really into it. And there was a lot of banter between the band and the crowd, and and mm-hmm. I think that was really beautiful. Is that or I saw Manchester Orchestra in Wollongong um, a couple of years ago, and we picked Wollongong just because it was we thought it'd be a nice place to go see them. Yeah, uh, ended up being the best decision ever because there was, I I would say there was less than a hundred people in the room. Oh wow, okay. And 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 for them that's a really small crowd, but for us it meant it was a really intimate show. Like I think everyone there was there to really see the band, so there was like it was dead quiet for most of the show, and it was you know really intimate and it was yeah amazing yeah i think that's the ideal for me is having a crowd that's actually connecting with the music i think frightened rabbit crowds in particular are very very good for that um, yeah absolutely we get a lot of it in sort of like arena shows especially in um in belfast or dublin mm-hmm. you get a lot of people who are there because you know there's a song that they heard on the radio that they liked and yeah. they thought it'd be a good night out so yeah, it really winds me up when there's like a quieter song playing, and that's the the moment where they decide they're just gonna chat to their mates. I'm like, no, this yeah. is the song I want to want to <laughs> maybe have a little cry to. Can you just absolutely let me have this moment? That happened. Like I saw, we saw Manchester Orchestra like the year before, and that was at the Metro in Sydney, and that audience didn't shut the fuck up the entire yeah. time to the, the to the point where other members of the crowd are trying to tell people to shut up. Right, and it was just really it was an uncomfortable sort of yeah it was uncomfortable being in that crowd. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Uh, so we'll, we'll get into the playlist. And so the first song is a song that you fell in love with straight away, and your choice is Mountains by Biffy Claro. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That was the f- first song I'd ever heard by Biffy Claro. Oh, and wow. That, okay. was like, that was like love at first sight for me. Right. I remember, you know, hearing it, I don't know, at the time. I can't remember even how I got introduced to him. I think it was through Rolling Stone or something. I used to get a lot of music from Rolling Stone. Mm-hmm. And I remember hearing that first piano chord and I was like, already like, okay, interesting. This is really, you know, I guess this is going to be sort of a somber song and whatever. And then Simon starts singing and it's got like, you know, that laid harmony that he has happening. And I was already like, yeah, okay, this is this is really nice. I can dig this. And then that fucking beat kicks in, the guitar kicks in. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was like you know, almost like I could feel my pupils dilate, um, right. and then that that really massive chorus hits, and it was just like, yeah, it was it was incredible. And ever since then, I've been a, a, a diehard Biffy fan. Mm-hmm. Um, got their tattoo and everything, and um, seen them live a couple times. But yeah, that song, I don't think it, it's ever been that quick that I've heard a song, and it was it was instantaneous. Right, definitely. That's awesome. I think I, I absolutely love that feeling as a as a fan of music when there's a song that you connect with straight away, especially yeah. when it's something that it starts off well and you're thinking, I really hope this continues on the same trajectory. Like it, and it, if it continues to surprise as it goes, then that is exactly ideal, ideal, absolutely ideal. Yeah, and I think I think you know not only with mountains, I th- Biffy just do that in spades with so much of their music, mm-hmm. but I, th- I think mountains is absolutely testament to that. Yeah, I think that's a really good album as well to get into Biffy Claro because it's, I would say it's a lot more, I don't know, radio friendly. It's a lot more accessible, yeah. I would say, that album compared to uh, Puzzles, for example. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's definitely the bridging one. I think when people have asked me about Biffy, I say only Revolutions is the perfect place to start. Yeah. 
And then, you know, if you want something a bit weirder, you go backwards. If you want something more like only revolutions, you go forward, you know? Yeah. I, 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 I think I told one person who's like a bit of a metalhead to start with infinity land. Mm. Cause I thought he'd like the heaviness of it. Um, but yeah, other than that, I think only revolutions is definitely the perfect place to start. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, and song two, a song that took you a while, is Sabrina by Einsters and the New Bauten. Yeah, perfect. Well done. Happy with that. <laughs> Happy with that. Um, yeah, so this song, um, Einsters and the New Bauten, is a, a German industrial band. And I remember, I can't remember who I heard talking about it. I think it was Henry Rollins talking about it. Um, but this was the first song I heard by them. And I thought it was a bit, I remember listening to it and being just like, eh, I don't really think it's my thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not really, not really connecting to it in any sort of way. But then, so I don't know if you could tell by my last name, Heitman, I have a bit of German heritage. Mm-hmm. I remember looking up the lyrics to the song and watching the music video. And it was like, you start to peel the layers back on this song. And there's just so much history buried in it. Mm-hmm. And like the band itself, like the name Einstein in the Bolton translates to collapsed new buildings, which is uh, new buildings was the term given to the, the architecture built in Germany after World War II. And they were known for being quite flimsy and shit. Sabrina, when you look at it, like he's listing, he, he's basically going through the colors of the German flag. Mm. Saying it's, not as, it's not as red as the dying sun, this and that. It's not as gold as this. Mm-hmm. And then the final verse being, it's as black as this and I, you, the way I interpret it anyway and I think it's a pretty common interpretation is that it's uh, about Germany's struggle with its identity following World War II and never really being able to escape that you know I think there's a lot of countries and there's a lot of cultures with some really dark history mm-hmm. that they might not ever be able to escape but Germany definitely I think will ever be branded by it and, and that song really encapsulates it and i remember getting to that point with it you know after having listened to it a couple of times and not really feeling it and it was just like something clicked and i was like oh shit this is actually a fucking amazing song yeah and um you know the the, the way it's been written and recorded with that context as well is just really haunting yeah it's an incredibly haunting song and i don't know if you watched the video for it but the, the video is uh equally haunting yeah disturbing is maybe the word i would use but yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty creepy video. Yeah, I, I can I can see I can see why it took you a while. Um, yeah, it, yeah, it, it it took me. So this is this is a song that you know I I listen to these playlists maybe six or seven times b- yep. before I sit down to do a record. Yep. So this is a song that like the first couple of times I listened to it, I was like, what is this? <laughs> and it's only really on the last couple of listens that I've started to enjoy it musically. Yeah. And I had no idea about the about what you just described that interpretation of the the lyrical content. Yep. And it makes an awful lot of sense that repeated line. I wish that would be your color. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, that's that's incredible. I'm I'll give that another listen and yeah, with that definitely. context, it it really yeah it really adds a lot to it. I think. Okay, amazing. So musically, we're going in a slightly different direction here. So uh, a song from your introduction to music is Rock the House by Gorillaz. Yeah. This is your 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 liar's answer to your, <laughs> your, first, your first music. Yeah. Cool answer. This is the cool answer. The Gorillaz was, I got into the Gorillaz when I was about 12 years old. 
Um, and it was around the time Demon Days came out, and and um, I often describe Gorillas. Gorillas was were like my gateway drug to a lot of different music, um, right. especially around that time when I was around twelve or thirteen and just really starting to get into shit. You know, I would go to the Wikipedia page of the band, and there's all the hyperlinks for this person, sung on that, and they're influenced by this and that. Yeah, and Gorillas really introduced me to a lot of like hip hop. I started listening to a lot of. Uh, most deaf and and Del the Funky Homo Sapien and Wu Tang and then you know MF Doom. But yeah, so this this song in particular is off their first album, um, and I remember I very quickly went and got that after I got Demon Days, mm-hmm. and I think that album and this song really um, honed in that music doesn't have to be you know one consistent thing. You know, if you listen to a Gorillaz album, it's fucking all over the place, yeah. and there's so many different things going on. And I remember getting listening to this album and i can't the the song or two before it is quite like somber or there's some like sort of downer tracks and then then all of a sudden this one kicks on and it's got that amazingly groovy bass line and the sort of the the whistle track going and then just del the funky homo sapien mm-hmm. really really performing at, a, at, a, at an amazing level um yeah so this one from when I was a, a lot younger was like mind blowing to me. Yeah, I loved it so much. Yeah, it's an excellent song, and it's it's it's, uh, it's funny you say it's a big lift on the album because it yeah on this playlist it follows Sabrina. It's a good <laughs> choice as well. I remember going to send this to you. I said I remember sending the playlist. I'm like this fucking playlist dips and dives so hard. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want. That's what I want. Nice, nice. Uh, so the song that makes you happy then is Old Old Fashioned by Frightened Rabbit yes yeah so I get I get the feeling you're a Frightened Rabbit fan too or like you've you've massive heard a bit of their music massively do you realize that yeah massive fan of uh, Frightened Rabbit so fantastic yeah I I, um, I think I started listening to them in 2013 um, I think the first thing I heard was The Woodpile and, mm-hmm. and um, amazing song so uh, Pedestrian Verse was my introduction to them and I you know of course started going back and listening to their other stuff and this song just I I think it just really strikes a very happy sort of note with me Scott you know talking about this idea of you know sort of doing away with reliances that we have now and just Mm -hmm. doing it like they they used to which I don't want to sound like a you know a fucking boomer and technology's bad and phones are bad but I, I relate it to you know some of the best nights I've ever had is is sitting around a fire with with you know my best friends or something and no one's got their phones on like you know music's not even playing mm-hmm. and we're just we're just talking and, and hanging out and sharing stories and and to me yeah I think I really hold those nights dear because we were really in it with each other mm-hmm. you know and it wasn't like we were getting deep and and sharing really massive secrets but we were just really attentive and really you know one-on-one with each other so i like this idea of getting old-fashioned and um yeah seeing him play it live i think the first time i saw them was at a festival here and you know scott tells everyone to turn to the person next to him doesn't matter if you know him or not and, and have a wee dance with them and, and get old-fashioned yeah. and and yeah i think that's just really really lovely yeah i was gonna say that that's that's the one in particular song where they put where they play it live where they're like you you need to dance to this song yeah, point of this song. It, everyone <laughs> has to dance. Everyone dances. Yeah, yeah lovely. Yeah. No, but I totally agree. I think it's um, it's a really really nice message, and 
yeah, I, I, I don't think it's a, a boomer opinion at all. Um, because well, maybe it is, and I'm just the same. But, um, <laughs> but no, I feel absolutely the same. Like some of the best nights I've ever had have just been like really simple, like just like playing board games and stuff like that with with friends. Yeah. Just like as you say, just being in the moment and yeah and not being in your phone there's a lot of stuff he says in that song about like uh you know there's a uh a radio in the top drawer that's dying to make us see yeah um there's yeah there's a lot of little lot of lots of little lines like that where yeah the overall message is just like yeah just yeah switch off and that's it there's a lot more in front of you there yeah and it's it's like it's not even like trying to force it but it's like leaning into it you know like yeah those nights like we, we talk about it's not like i'm you don't want to force your friends to put their phone away i'll be like come on guys like no phones put them all in this bag we need to talk to each yeah. other yeah but you kind of just notice it's happening and you lean into it and yeah you don't 100%. you just really focus on the moment and yeah i think yeah. this the, that song really captures that yeah absolutely musically as well as one of the um again maybe more accessible Frightened Rabbit songs. Frankie actually had uh, The Woodpile on her playlist. I'm, re- I'm really glad to hear that Frankie had some Frightened Rabbit on there. We've bonded over Yeah, so we had, the, we had the same sort of conversation. And Excellent. what I said to her was like, I think The Woodpile is like the ideal song to get into Frightened Rabbit because I think it is one of the more like, I don't want to say radio friendly is a bad thing, but it is a little bit more accessible compared to some of the maybe more dark themes that they cover in some of the earlier stuff. And I think old old fashioned is a similar kind of vibe. Yeah, yeah. Woodpile is like powerfully romantic and like yeah, it's 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 a really epic song. I yeah, hundred percent agree. It's that's definitely another really good introductory song. Yeah, hundred percent. Uh, next one then. Song five is a song that makes you feel sad, and your song is "I Can Feel a Hot One." by Manchester Orchestra yeah what did you think of this song I thought it was devastating it's hard isn't it yeah <laughs> that's that's I can't uh, I listen to Manchester Orchestra really really frequently they're one of my all time favourite bands but this is a song that I can't just casually listen to mm. uh, ever ever this one needs a sit down proper listen to it um, yeah there's a lot in there that like you know it's I think just lyrically and musically uh, I mean, Andy Hall, like Scott Hutchison, is is, a, is an amazing lyricist. But this lyrically, it is just a strikingly sad song. It just mm-hmm. hurts to listen to. Um, and there's stuff in there I can't really directly relate to. But growing up, I was exposed to things at a lot of ages that people, I mean, really shouldn't be exposed to. But it happened, and you you know you you're forced to deal with it in that moment. You know, I had, I had a lot of friends who who didn't want to be here anymore, who are still are here, thankfully. Mm-hmm. I've had a lot of friends. I've had a few friends who didn't want to be here anymore and were successful with their departure. Right. And I've had, you know, friends lose children. I've had friends, you know, sort of disappear for stretches of time with no word. And I think there's just a lot in this song, whether it's a line or the whole song in general, that just, it brings a lot of that back. Mm. And, and it doesn't necessarily... I think, you know, simply being reminded of it doesn't make me sad, but someone putting it into such poetry, right? it, it sort of, you know, puts you back in that moment, and yeah, it definitely makes me feel. I remember that, that show I mentioned when we went and saw them in Wollongong, the very, very intimate show. 
mm-hmm. they played this song and they don't really play it. There was for a long stretch they did they didn't play it live. Right. Um and they played it live at that one and I was just a fucking mess. I was mm-hmm. just a blubbery mess. And Frankie was at that show too. Uh we were actually there with a, a group of friends and everyone's very, very sweet. And I got a lot of cuddles and pats on the back. But yeah, just a very, very emotional song. I think it as you said, it can be useful. Useful is maybe a uh slightly callous way of putting it, but it can be useful to have a song to go back to if yep. you feel like you need to feel those feelings. Definitely. Definitely. It's it's a good anchor point to have, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. And I can feel a hot one. Yeah. Like I said, it's just one of those ones where if it comes up randomly, I'm not just gonna Yeah. Oh yeah, I can feel a hot one. I'll let this ride. I'm just working at my desk. You know, that's one that needs. Yeah, that's 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 a song where I need a moment. You know. Yeah, sit and feel it. That's Absolutely. it. Song six then is a song to relax to, and yours is Red Rock Riviera by Seapar. Yeah, lovely song. Very lovely song. Um, I don't really have much to say on this one except that it is just beautifully written. Yeah. Um, the instrumental. Uh, nature of it is really really lovely um, I was introduced to the song through Disco Elysium the game okay have you ever played that no it is an amazing game it's very wonderful it's like a you know a sort of D&D style there's dice rolls and it's dialogue driven right um, but it's set it's set in an industrial coastal town and there's a lot of um, sea power did a lot of the soundtrack to it and, and I don't know what it is about this song in general but it's like it's just an endorphin dump for me i listen to it and it's just very soothing and yeah you know has those soaring like you know synthy string moments and it's just yeah lovely yeah it's quite a it's quite a simple composition at its heart but it builds and builds and builds over the course of the song and it yeah it just washes over you mm, that's a, that's a very good way to put it it definitely does yeah so I, I can't take credit for that. I think it was one of one of my other guests used that expression. I was like, "That's that's exactly it," and I'm going to keep using writing that. that shit down, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to edit him saying it out of the podcast, so uh, so I, I get the credit for it. I like um, that. I like that. <laughs> okay, song seven, a song from your preteen years, and yours is "The Boy Who Destroyed the World" by AFI. Oh yeah. So this was like uh, another gateway drug song. Mm-hmm. Um, so I heard this song, like many of us did, uh, on Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3. And I used to, I think you could select which songs played. And I think there was a point where I just had this song going because I thought it was the <laughs> fucking coolest shit. But yeah, this was like, you know, I it's how I found out about AFI. And that's another band, you know, I've got tattooed on me. I became a big AFI fan. And they're like the poster, poster band of like, a band being able to constantly shift genre mm. and still pull it off. You know, they went from like skate punk to punk to hardcore to fucking emo to goth to electronic to whatever they are now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this was like, I don't know. I started listening to a lot of punk music through this, a lot of skate punk, a lot of early 2000s stuff yeah it's just a banging song I was listening while I was making this playlist I was listening to it and I forgot how fucking good it is yeah it's just got those like 
really fast guitars, those fucking really fast drums, the the, the awesome backing vocals, and it's such a good song. Yeah, it's so so high energy. It's so high energy. It's great. I can't keep up with it. <laughs> uh, song eight is a cover, and yours is "Where Did You Sleep Last Night" by Nirvana. Mm, yeah. So this was. I didn't really know for a long time what to pick for this one, and it's. It. I think that song and Nirvana's version of it has become so synonymous with each other that, like, I forget that it's a cover sometimes. Mm-hmm. But when I was about. 14 I started getting into Nirvana like a lot of young men searching for identity do mm. I had the long hair and the, the shitty clothes and I thought it was real cool and you know I was mostly into their like loud electronic shit and uh, not electronic their electric stuff you know mm-hmm. I remember my friend and I it was like our, our big bonding point we were like best mates and we, we just frothed Nirvana and I remember watching Unplugged in New York for the first time and, and, and you know, seeing the song stripped back was really, really cool. You know, you're sitting there doing, okay, they're doing Penny Royalty and Come As You Are and Dumb and, like, they all sound amazing and they get the guys from the Meat Puppets on and they do Lake of Fire and Plateau and you're like, that's really cool. They got some guests on, amazing. And then they, they, they kick it into Where Did You Sleep Last Night? And I think that was the first time I'd heard it. Um, at the time, I didn't even know it was a Lead Belly song. Um, and... I just thought it was a, such a beautiful and perfect cover for them to do. But I think that moment really happens. It's like, a, you know, a goosebumps sort of, you get that spine tingling moment when um, the song climaxes mm-hmm. and, and Kurt has that, like the band drops out and Kurt just has that like primal howl. He just has that one really long drawn out, really guttural scream on some of those words and and when you watch the footage, he he lets another word out. He sort of screams another word out, and it's like his eyes open really wide, and he takes this really deep breath in. And there's something really just fucking hypnotic in that moment. Watching him really draw that in, there's a lot of life in that moment. So I think not only just in terms of like how they changed the song from the Lead Belly version and made it their own, but like that performance alone mm. is just incredible. You know, as, as far as covers go, you can't ask for more than that. You know, going into doing a cover is a dangerous thing for any band. Mm. And I think trying to figure out how you approach it, you know, do we just do the cover like the original? Do we just play it through or do we try and do something to it to, to make it our own? It's a really dangerous thing to do. But when you pull it off, it's incredible. And uh, I think, yeah, Nirvana's Where Did You Sleep Last Night is just one of those that will remain... I think as near perfect as you can get. Yeah, absolutely. Song nine then is a song you would sing at karaoke. So you're going for Tiny Dancer by oh, yeah. Elton John. Yes. Madman. <laughs> What's wrong with that? Well, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it except the the version you picked is six and a half minutes long. Oh yeah, yeah. I forget it's a long song. That's bold. There's yeah, nothing wrong with it, bold. but it's a bold choice. It is a bold choice. So yeah, yeah, it's a fucking belter though. Oh, it is. It That's is. what you want for. They yeah. see the the crowd. They won't notice the six minutes long because they're singing too. <laughs> Everyone's going to be singing that one. Um, I've never, I've never really done karaoke. It's I like I am. I've been in a band uh, for like eleven years now, and before a performance, I've never gotten nervous. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I've been, I've been playing music since I was 13. I've never gotten nervous before performance. I, it just doesn't really hit me. Yeah. Um, even when I am singing, like I've done covers and I sing and I don't really sing all that much. I've, I, karaoke scares the shit out of me. I don't know what it is. I'm the same. I think expectations are just at a different level. Yeah. When, when you are just getting up there and singing. But if I was going to do it, that would be it. I, you need an absolute belter. Yeah. That and that's that's tiny dancer has always been my answer. I used to have like you y- karaoke song and then your stripper song, right? And and uh, I've kept the karaoke song. I feel like I got to change the stripper song though. My stripper song is always Dirty Diana by Michael Jackson. Ah, okay. And now his music has a has a bit of a sour taste mm. now. Whether you know whether the stories are true or not or what you believe it's just like after all that controversy it's just a bit sour now yeah. so I've got to reevaluate that okay. fair enough uh, are you hitting the are you hitting the high notes in Tiny Dancer in, in the chorus yeah. you gotta you absolutely have to well, you, got, you gotta go for it I'm asking if you're hitting them I, no, am I personally hitting them no yeah. probably not okay <laughs> but are you, but you're still going for it hey then? not even Elton John can hit them anymore I saw him in like 2013 <laughs> And whenever he approached a high octave, he hid behind his gospel orchestra so hard. He's not even hitting the words anymore. Nah, he's he's. I, I'm amazed he's still fucking performing. Him and Ozzy Osbourne. It's like it's okay to just retire, take a back seat. That's okay. <laughs> You've done your bit. Uh, so speaking of performances, then song ten, a song reminds you of a specific place. So the sound by Signs and Symbols. That's us. That's me. Yeah. So that's uh, Signs and Symbols is uh, my band. I play bass in it, and we've been together since the band started in two thousand nine. So when when we were in year ten in high school, and I joined the following year in two thousand ten. We've been together for a really really long time, and this album, uh, we this is off our album Counting in Colors, um, which we recorded in twenty eighteen, and it was probably the most work we've ever put into anything and the most we've ever sort of rolled the dice on anything. We booked the studio time before we'd even written all the songs. We sort of said, we want to record an album. We've got a handful of songs ready. We'll book it and then we'll finish them. And like having that deadline will will push us. You know, I think when I hear a lot of music, I don't get reminded of specific places a lot. But when I hear songs of this album, it takes me right back to that because we... We're in the studio for three weeks, which is the most we'd ever, ever done. And I, I look back on that really, really fondly because I didn't, I took the time off work and I dedicated all my time to that. And like, you know, for three weeks, all I, I got to focus on was recording this album with, you know, three of my best mm-hmm. friends and, and being in that studio um, with the guys who engineered it, their names are Tim and Duncan, and they were as much a part of this album as we were like you know they were throwing in suggestions they were helping us craft it and shaping the songs and and for three weeks i really looked forward to getting up every day and going in and doing that and whenever i hear these songs it's um yeah it takes me right back there i picked the sound in in particular because when we're writing songs it's it's almost kind of hard to hear how they sound you know especially at the time we had a really shitty tiny room that the 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 noise in there can kind of drown a lot out. Like a lot of the times, you know, we have two songwriters in the band, Brent and Callum. A lot of the time I wouldn't know what the fuck they were saying. Right. 
until I heard the song back for the first time because our room was just so loud. But, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like, you know, being in a moment and then seeing a, a photo of that moment are two really different things. Mm. And, and sometimes you don't really know how a moment looks or feels until you see it captured differently. And that was the sound for me. This is one of the songs that I personally am, am really, really proud of. It's the closer on the album and it's it's massive. And I, I just, every time I hear it, I remember recording a take and everyone got their stuff really good. You know, you go on and listen to it and you're like, okay, it sounds good. The goal when we're recording is to get bass and drums and then guitars can be fixed later. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I did my part and we said, bass sounds good. And I said, okay, I'll, I'm going to go do something else. And then I remember our guitarists Matt and Brent doing their thing on it and then you know at the end of the day coming back and listening to it again and just hearing it back like the first time when it was done like that I was like fucking it was standing behind a jet turbine you know I was yeah. just really really stoked with how it sounded and like hearing it back for the first time like that I was like that's how it fucking sounds it's awesome so yeah this song definitely reminds me like I can almost smell the room when I listen to this song right it's a, it's a really lovely feeling excellent it's a fucking excellent song Thank you very much. I'll say that much. It's very, a, very, very proud of that one. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, I actually, so yeah, when when you messaged me to say, oh, by the way, uh, Signs and Symbols is my band and I've sort of snuck them in there. I was like, yeah, I know. Because <laughs> why not? Why not? But I'd already listened to the album and it's excellent. It's, it's. Oh, thank you. No, I really, really like it. Um, Amazing. And then when you sent me your playlist and I saw some of the bands that you listen to and some of the stuff you've been influenced by, I was like, that makes a lot of sense right yeah it really comes through yeah yeah i i like i like the sort of there's a lot of unpredictability mm. in the songwriting which is great so it's not just that sort of you know four in the floor four chords yes yeah. or like a repeated riff yeah there's a lot of complexity to it yeah thank you i think i we we do we really try and challenge ourselves with that and uh like i said brent and callum our songwriters are just amazingly prolific and yeah you know they can take an idea that uh i, I don't um we have a song there jack of diamonds mm-hmm. yep which when brent when when brent showed us that he just he literally just had his guitar tuned to drop d right. and he was like yeah i got a new song check it out jing, 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 jing. and like you hear that for the first time you're like wow cool man <laughs> sounds really very good and then you know you start to jump on it and 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 more riffs start to come out and by the end there's a really fucking awesome song there yeah but yeah they're both really good at left turns and songs i think yeah. uh, there's a song in there called night swimming roller derby uh-huh. you know which is a really quite fast and loud almost punk song and then it has like a ballad in the yeah. middle of it yeah i think we we've, we try and be very creative with that so i appreciate you saying that thank yeah. you no it's excellent and yeah, like I, I relate quite a bit to what he's, what you're saying there about, and this is like on a very very minor level. I'll I'll mm. caveat this heavily, but um, so for my stag do, my friends actually booked me a day in a recording studio to record oh, a song that I'd written because, uh, like since I was like 18 or whatever, like I've written like riffs and sequences and different bits and pieces but like never put anything together so I, I had this day booked in the studio and I had all I had was a riff when they booked it and then I had to like form mm-hmm. the rest of the song 
with that deadline in mind and without that deadline I never yeah. would have done it um mm-hmm. so yeah musically I had it I had it done like maybe a week before we went in and I was able to mm-hmm. get sort of a guy track together but the lyrics I was still writing till like 1am the night before we were <laughs> we were gonna go in that's amazing me and a friend of uh, a friend of mine were like bouncing ideas off each other for like yeah it was like 48 hours was that was how long it took us to write that and nice. it was so stressful but so rewarding <laughs> and and for me because i'd like maybe a slightly different process but like i i just got the guitar parts and i knew what i wanted the knew what i wanted the bass to do i knew what, the, what i wanted the drums to do but i'm not yep. a bassist and i'm not a drummer so mm-hmm. i knew roughly what i wanted from them but i didn't know like i was sort of giving them like this is kind of what i'm aiming for but they had yeah. to just do it and then yep. yeah listening back to the actual finished product for the first time was fucking incredible Absolutely nice incredible it's uh yeah excellent it's so good it's yeah. an irreplaceable feeling that yeah yeah i'm no, a f- i'm a firm believer in deadlines deadlines breed creativity like nothing else 100 percent. 100 percent. remember like my, my my wife beforehand was like you know you you, you can just you know because basically the 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 studio was like my the the bassist his brother uh has like a studio in his house and uh mm. yeah, we were sort of playing music and then we had the nintendo switch in the other room we were just playing mario kart in between and smash bros nice. and uh she was like um, yeah. you know you don't have to like actually write the song you can just like go and hang out with your friends like she was trying to be you know protective because i was really stressing out <laughs> and i was like no it is going to be worth it and yeah it was yeah it was so good fuck yeah that's fantastic <laughs> But yeah, no, I and I, I have I have my playlist and I've I've put my song on my playlist as well, so I respect good, the hustle. Good man. Song eleven is a song that reminds you of a specific person, and your song is "Walking My Baby Back Home" by Nat King Cole. Yeah. Um. So this was a song that my um. This was was really interesting. Um. Was growing up, my granddad used to sing this all the time, and he used to sing a lot. He had a lot of different songs that he used to sing and it was just like his way of killing time and, and feeling silence. Um, as a child, I used to spend, um, he, he lives in uh, Young, which is about two hours from where I am, mm-hmm. sort of rural New South Wales. Um, so I used to go out there a lot as a kid and, and hang out with my grandparents there. And, you know, we go every Easter, Christmas, that sort of thing. Um, so I used to hear that song a lot. And we used to sing it together and it always got stuck in my head. Um, and even as an adult, it never occurred to me that it was an actual song. Okay, right. Like yeah. I just never I never it was just he, you know, pop sang it. Yeah. It's pop song. I never I never had the desire to try and figure out anything further. I was just like, that's just walking my baby back on. That's just the one he sings. Uh-huh. Um and then twenty eighteen sort of tail end of 2018 he passed away it was around october we were actually still working on our album at the time right um so there's a lot going on and it wasn't until after he died i was like oh yeah walking my baby back home i'm like i wonder it was the, I, I hadn't looked it up until after he passed away and i heard it for the first time i didn't know it was a nat king cole song uh-huh. i remember hearing it for the first time and i was like wow he was dead on he sang it perfectly oh really he never got a lyric wrong. He never missed a beat. He never got a key wrong or a note wrong. He sang it perfectly. So yeah, having that song after he's passed away, it's almost like hearing him again yeah. when I listen to it. Yeah, lovely. Very, very sort of 
happy to have that as my memory of him amazing excellent uh song 12 is a song that motivates you and yours is nobody speak by dj shadow mm. 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 god this fucking this song just gets me hype this gets me going um and that's purely born out of uh, me like going to the gym um, yeah. especially for a bit there like I, you know you, I, I, at the gym I tend to listen to a lot of music with like a good beat to it right and there's a lot of hip a lot of hip hop in there and a lot of that sort of thing um, but for a while there I was doing a lot of boxing and I had a boxing playlist and and Nobody Speak was on that because I'm not a, like I'm not a real fucking macho dude or anything like that mm. but listening to Nobody Speak while hitting the punching bag man that that's tough that feels tough that makes me feel so tough <laughs> but yeah i don't know it's just got such a good beat and you know you've yeah. got those really quite tough antagonistic lyrics and it's just like yeah it's just it gets me really hyped up oh i yeah. fucking love that song oh it's great i was gonna ask you about the lyrics actually mm. because um the um, I'll, I'll do a, a very um brief dramatic reading of the the opening lyrics which is um that's very good picture this i'm a bag of dicks put me to your lips i am sick i will punch a baby bear in his shit <laughs> yeah get hype yeah i was gonna say it's not <laughs> not strictly motivational on its own is it but um but it does it does work in context uh, that's such a good line picture this i'm a bag of dicks damn damn that's a good song <laughs> Yeah, it's excellent. Hell yeah. Song 13 is a song that someone introduced you to. And your song is Call Your Name by Tora Ai. Yeah, lovely song. Very, very lovely. So I also play bass for a, a, a camera artist named Groovy Daughter. We sort of met just through the camera music scene. Uh, mm-hmm. The camera music scene is tiny. And it's very familial and everyone knows everyone. Um, so I'd seen her perform heaps and we started talking and, you know, I sort of expressed that if she ever wanted to make music together, if she ever needed a bassist or, or whatever, I'd be down. And I think I was at a point where, you know, we'd, Signs and Symbols had been going for 10 years or so. And I've always loved playing bass in that band. Um, but, you know, I have quite a broad range of music I listen to and a broad range of music I play. And I, I guess I just wanted to do something a bit different and try something else out and she said she was you know starting to venture into neo soul and i was like yeah let's do it that sounds beautiful soul and funk and like gospel music is where a lot of my bass playing started so i, I was really interested in that and we were writing a song for her and um for inspiration she sent me a playlist she's like here's sort of just some moods that we're sort of leaning into mm-hmm and uh and there was a bit of arlo parks on there and a bit of pip miller and a lot of really lovely songs and then call your name by tor i this song just i just really really captured me very quickly like just the way those uh that sort of horn section at the start it's a really sexy horn line tor i has an amazing an amazing voice the lyrics are lovely it's just just such a beautiful song loved it yeah so that was groovy daughter nicole groovy daughter she introduced me to that one and uh i was very appreciative of that very stoked we shared a lot of love for that song together excellent i am so excited to know that song i like that is 
there's a there's a lot like I think Nobody Speak is another song I like I love from this playlist but every time that song came on when I was listening to this it's just incredible it's one of the it's it's groovy isn't it yeah I've 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 not felt love for a song like that in a long time it's just oh, excellent it's absolutely beautiful it's I think it's a nice perfect song I absolutely love it it really is it really fucking is yeah song 14 is a song you wouldn't expect to like so Space They Cannot Touch by Kate Miller Heidkiff oh, what a lovely that's a that is a beautiful song I guess when I when I when you when you sent me this question I didn't really know because at the at this stage in my life I'm I think I'm I'm quite open minded to music I don't think there's anything that I wouldn't like right. even just thinking about it uh, I'll listen to pretty much anything now yeah but I picked this this one because when I first heard it I was like a real grunge fucking punk rock kid okay. and my dumb long hair and I thought it was so fucking cool and uh, I had a friend who was constantly trying to get me to listen to Kate Miller Hike and I was like nah it sounds lame sounds like girl music sounds dumb don't listen to it and i i I think i was just going through i I decided to give it a chance and um which i think i just punched into youtube or something and and this was one of the songs that that popped up Mm -hmm. and there's me like cross-armed like okay let's see what this is all about and then like as the song was progressing like you just see like a tear rolling down my (laughs) eye like oh man um yeah i think i I don't know if i was feeling like I don't know if I was intentionally trying to be defiant or what but like letting this right. song in was a challenge for me when I was you know 15 16 years old mm. but by the time it had finished you know it it starts off quite gently you know it's quite a gentle start to the song and it just sort of builds and the, when the whole band kicks in every part of it's beautifully written the guitar and bass sort of dance around each other in a lovely way and the drums are just at the the, the perfect sort of speed and Kate is just such an incredible vocalist and and like this is one of her tamer songs and even then it's it's ridiculously good mm. so yeah this was another instance where it took one song and i've been a diehard kate miller heidke fan ever since and and all it took was space they cannot touch and like it's a, it's a really romantic song and it's really lovely mm. yeah and i think that's it's also helped me progressively become more and more open-minded to music you know letting that one song in i think helped me approach the idea of letting any song in and any artist in nice this is the the gateway drug for you in a lot this was another gateway drug yeah yeah it's it's just such a lovely song i love it so much excellent i think this is a song like if i if i listened to this when i was like 15 16 this is probably a song that i would have dismissed within about 20 seconds of listening to it because it's a it's a girl with right. a guitar and that was like for me yeah. that was just eh, no forget it um yeah so i'm glad i've i'm glad i've discovered it like now when i am a lot more open minded yeah. and can appreciate talent <laughs> and not just Abs- absolutely dismiss it as something i'm not into um so yeah it's a yeah. yeah it's a great song uh song 15 a song that you think everyone should listen to and here's this strange fruit by billy holiday mm yeah um really heavy song mm. um had you heard this one before i think i'd heard it but not actually i'd heard it but not listened to it if you know what i mean yeah okay yeah yeah um so i heard this song when i was in high school we um 
I did music class um, from about year nine till year 12. So from year nine till I finished. Um, and uh, the head of our music department at, at school and our teacher, his name was Mr. Bennett, a ridiculously supportive man. Not always the best teacher, but they never are. You know, people have faults. Sure. Um, but he he was the most supportive. He championed uh, not only us as signs and symbols, but everyone in that class as musicians. He really pushed people and he really wanted people to succeed. Yeah. And I think he could see a lot in people. Um, but also part of his job as a music teacher is he introduced us to a lot. And um, I remember, I can't even remember the context, but I remember hearing Strange Fruit through him. And at the time, didn't appreciate it at all. I didn't really, really listen to it. I didn't really, I don't know if he told the story behind it or not, because I think we were like 15, 16 at the time. Mm. Um, but listening to it, I became a massive Billie Holiday fan, uh, I think towards the end of high school. She's just one of those classic singers. You can't argue with it. Her voice is amazing. Yeah. She was just a gold standard. Iconic. For for her time and, and for iconic. There you go. That's the word. So Strange Fruit, I really started to listen to the lyrics and the context of it and you know, it started to dawn on me what it was actually about. Mm. You know, it's a it started off as a poem written by a uh written by a, a man about and it was his his sort of reaction to lynchings. And he wrote wrote the poem and started to I think he sort of had the idea that it would work as a song. So he started to sort of take it around to a lot of club owners and managers and it found its way to Billy. And she was initially reluctant, obviously being a a black woman singing a song about that into, you know, white audiences. Mm -hmm. She thought there would be, you know, sort of an adverse reaction to it. But then she, she thought about her father who had passed away uh, from a fatal lung disease um, after being denied hospital admission because he was black. And she thought, you know, she needed to do it for him. But uh, when she wrote it, or not when she wrote it, when she adapted it and when she took it on as her song, she had a couple of caveats that when she played it, performed it, it would be the last song of the night. There would be the wait staff would stop serving. All the lights would go off except a single spotlight on her, no encore. And you just listening to it, you know, the lyrical content, itself is really heavy but the the way she sung it and the, the music behind it is just so haunting mm. and I, th- I think it just really perfectly captures what was going on at the time and and how people were feeling and how really scary it was really really scary not only just being present in that but you know to imagine being a a, a black woman at the time not only existing in such racial uh, tension, but to sing a song that was ultimately a response to that racial tension, mm. uh, terrifying. And um, I mean, a lot of people believe it was the song that uh, ultimately caused her death. So there's just, you know, similar to Sabrina, I think there's just a lot of history way down in the song. And yeah, it's just incredibly haunting. And and the use of the term strange fruit and and the way it's been written is just it's just it, it's heartbreaking mm. and it's it just really cuts down to a very specific part of my core and uh yeah i think in that regard is it's a song people definitely need to listen to 
not only for its its artistry and it's 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 there's a lot of beauty in it, but uh, like I said, I think it is a fixture of a piece of history and and incredibly important to digest and kind of let it stir in your mind and yeah and contemplate on it. I guess mm. very recent history as well. I was just about to say, I think a lot of people have it in their mind that we're really far removed from that, you know, but the, there are people alive that it was, it was in their lifetime that that's what right. should happen. You know, it was less than a hundred yeah. years ago. Um, so yeah, definitely. She would have, she would have performed this song in what, the thirties or forties. Yeah, I think so. Both of yeah. I can't remember specifically. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Big wonder, big one to end on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, like it's not the the, the lightest note to end on, but it's a, a very important note nonetheless. So, um, thank you very much for for doing this with me, Brody. Um, before you go, is there anything that you want to promote or plug? Um, look, I mean, signs and symbols. You can check us out on any platform. Um, uh-huh. Spotify being the main one, obviously. We've got a couple of music videos up on YouTube. Um, Groovy Daughter is definitely one that you'll uh, want to keep an eye on. She's she's rising very, very quickly. She just released a new song called I Don't Care, um, and it's incredible. Um, yeah, I mean, I would sit here and promote every Canberra band that I know, but we'd be here forever. Um, look, if you can find any bands from Canberra, um, listen to them. There's a lot of great talent here. Um, I think a lot of underappreciated talent in in this city, and uh, some of my favorite bands are in Canberra. So if you can find it, I know there's a lot of Canberra music playlists floating around out there. If you dig, um, definitely, definitely listen to it and, and support it as much as you can. And wherever people are listening, any live music in their area, uh, any local live music, any bands in their area are always worth supporting. Um, yeah, endlessly. Yeah, go down to a pub, see them live, listen to their songs on Spotify, send them some money on Bandcamp, whatever it takes. Just yeah, show your support. Absolutely. All right, perfect. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for having me. And that's it for episode eight of Mixtape and Identity. Thank you so much for listening. If you want something to listen to after this, then I highly recommend you check out Brody's band Signs and Symbols. The album that we talked about on this show, Counting Colors, is excellent. Also, Groovy Daughter, who uh, Brody mentioned there, is a very, very talented artist and a really, really fun time, so definitely go and check them out as well. If you want to support this show, then all the usual stuff, please do go and leave us a review if you've enjoyed the show so far. Really, really helps with uh, with the algorithms, but, you know, also my ego. <laughs> um, uh, other ways you can support the show, then follow us on the socials, so at Mixtaping Identity on Instagram and at Mixtaping ID on Twitter. So you can see all the all the playlists and, and see what we've got coming up. Speaking of which, this is the last standard episode of the year. Next week's episode is a very, very special Christmas episode. Uh, it's a little bit different. We've got some games. We're visited by the guests of Christmas past and also the guests of Christmas future. It's going to be a really, really fun time. So I highly recommend that you check that out. So we'll see you next week for the for the Christmas special. In the meantime, look after yourselves and we'll speak to you then.